Hey everybody, Mike Dempsey here. It's NFL playoff time and you can still win playing Underdog Fantasy by picking higher or lower on player stats at underdogfantasy.com. Sign up with promo code 1010XL and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. Hayes, Lauren, and RJ, The Frangie Show, starts now on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Hey, welcome in. Glad you're along for the ride on this Thursday installment of the program. Our Thursdays, as always, are brought to you by our friends at Stanley Pools, the best pool company in town since 1988. They make uh, made our pools a few times. They take care of our pool. They service it. They do a fantastic job, our friends at Stanley Pools. Frangie and Carlion. Lauren Brooks, R.J. Saunders with you on this Thursday installment. Much to talk about. Uh, but the lead is that Trent Baalke spoke. Uh, you, hopefully you heard it on the radio station today. I actually heard it on the radio station. I was in between meetings. So I actually heard it on the radio station. I sat there and listened to the whole thing on 92.5 FM. That's how you heard it today. If you wanted to watch the stream, our friends from Jaguars.com are the ones that made it possible for us. And they had it on their stream. So you could have seen it that way. Uh, as well. We'll talk about all kinds of things. We'll talk about the games coming up, the possible MVPs. Uh, the Carolina Panthers have a coach, a surprising choice for me. Uh, the Gator basketball team uh, toughed up and won a game last night. All kind of fun stuff to get to, loaded up with stuff. Um, but let's not bury the lead. Trent Balky talked 30 minutes, right to noon. Yeah, 30 minutes on the number. Started and I would say that was a good number. I don't, yeah. I don't think there was much ground left to cover. Uh, we talked about the Bills GM going 63 minutes the other day, uh, Bean. I, I don't know that we had 33 minutes more of stuff to, yeah. to get to. I mean, right. uh, when and, you see yeah. Gibby emails out the sound clips, we have 44 of yeah, them. He answered so we obviously yeah. covered a lot of ground. Yeah, so, so, so I thought he did, and I thought it was important that he did. And you're going to hear some of those. I'm not going to play too many of them because you've heard them all day. I think you've heard them all day. You also could go get them on demand. They're available. The, the, the whole presser, obviously, in, in this day and age. All of a press conference is uh, is on uh, demand, so I want to get uh, through everybody's opinion about it. We'll we'll take some overview opinions, and then we'll get to the specifics. Uh, quick overview from both of you. You go first. I, I think he put a lot of it on the coaching. Um, the the thing about Trent Baalke that I think is is puzzling is obviously he's in a, a leadership position, um, but too often today it was well I don't live in the past. I don't live in regret. So when it was a question about a personnel mistake, instead of just owning it or saying and and look, he doesn't he didn't always have to own it by insulting a player or criticizing a player. A lot of times it could have been, yeah, I should have been more aggressive with our backup edge in hindsight. You know, I thought we had something in Chase on and Smoot, but we could have used more. And to see the results that Clowney and Van Noy had in Baltimore, just to name two. I, you know, obviously it, it, it makes you, you know, self-scout yourself a little bit. None of that ever happened. I, he kind of let it off by saying like, you know, I, I have a, a part in this. You can, you can, you know, look no further than here to start with. But then a lot of it became, I don't live in the past. I don't live in regret. Clearly, and, and this isn't a surprise because this was starting to become evident in the last couple weeks of the year. 
he doesn't like the offense. Uh, they don't have an identity. He used the word identity seven times. Our good buddy Mark Long even went through it and 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 checked it, looked it up. Uh, and uh, and so I think in in looking at it, um, it, it's it's one of those things where they can't run the ball. I uh, they have to to his point get bigger and stronger. That's a personnel issue, but it's clear that. He does not like the offensive system. I mean, when you're asked about Luke Fortner, who by all accounts was miserable, I don't think there's really anybody out there outside of Trent Baalke, certainly no one outside of the Jaguars facility, that believes Luke Fortner even played uh, average season. I mean, I think everybody views him as having a really, really bad second year in the league. Trent Baalke's asked directly about Luke Fortner and says, well, you know, I still have confidence in Luke. I, I think it was a systematic issue. Well, I mean, that's basically saying he's a good player. The coaches just aren't, you know, getting it out of him. And, uh, it, again, it kept coming back to, look, I, it, you, you kind of got the, the sense from Balky. well, look, I gave them a first-round right tackle who was great. I gave them a tight end in the second round and a running back in the third round who they never figured out how to develop and turn into good players. We shouldn't have had an offensive identity crisis, but we did. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's fair to question his leadership. And I don't think there's like a schism because I think they're kind of tied together. Like the last thing Doug and Trent need are to be at each other's throats because if they lose this job that they're in, I don't think they're getting another chance to, to work at, the, at, at that position in this league, I can guarantee you Trent Baalke wouldn't get another general manager's job. Doug might, might get another job, but my guess is he wouldn't. It's hard when, when you've already been fired at two places. So uh, I, I think because of that, I'm not so worried about a schism because I think they know they've got to work together to, to survive here and, and certainly to win here. But it's, I thought Baalke made it clear that a lot of this he put on the coaching. Yeah, I think the quick overview is Josh Allen will be a Jaguar. That's great news. The negative is they haven't started the negotiations yet, at least from what he told us. You'd like that conversation to have already started. He loves Calvin Ridley, so I think they would like him to be back. Uh, I think the biggest thing was, though, Frank to Hayes's point, he feels like there was a good vision, but the execution and the development wasn't there. And so I, I do think that while he said there's great communication and great collaboration – I don't think they were on the same page with certain players being picked, and, and that has to get better. Yeah, I think you guys hit it. And, Lauren, I think you just said the thesis statement to me. He said the vision was there, the development was not. And I think that was the – Hayes, to your point, is, is that mean he's saying I picked the right guys and they didn't develop them, which is the way I think you heard it. Uh, is, that, is, is that what it was? But the big picture was, yes, I think the big picture of this, what, what came out of it was, we have the vision. We have to do a better job. But he used the word onboarding a lot, mm -hmm. you know, onboard the players. I think that means in, – in, This in, isn't a corporate company. Yeah, but, but introduce them into the, the league, develop them, get them committed, make sure they understand how much time to spend uh, on their own. Are they taking care of their bodies the right way? Are we developing their bodies the right way? Are we? I didn't – here's what I did take out of it. And I want both of you to weigh in on this. Start with you, Hayes. If he's if he's if if he was critical of the coaches, 
I didn't sense it was as much deployment as it was development. I didn't read I didn't read that he was critical, at least in today's press conference, that it was as much deployment, play calling and scheme, even though he said that'll change. But he was very critical of the development, whether that's on the coaches or him or whoever. So did you see it that way too? He spoke it was more about development than deployment if he's assessing his coaches. Yeah, I think so. I mean, again, in in looking at it, to say that you know there was systematic issues with pretty much any offensive problem, I yeah, I think that speaks to. I, I think it speaks to. He doesn't like, in my opinion, how everything. He doesn't like how they practice. He doesn't like what they emphasize. I don't think he likes. I think he he the vibe he gave off today is that the coaches are a little too laissez faire with this group. And there, there's not a more of a competitive push from the coaches uh, to get more out of the players. Uh, so I would agree with that. I, I don't, I don't think, you know, he he was asked about Press Taylor. He didn't go into play calling or anything like that. Uh, I think it's more general philosophy on how the offense was managed and how it was practiced more so than it was play calls in a game. Yeah. So so development was one thing. I'm going to go through the, the key things I thought he hit on with Josh Allen, certainly the one you've already begun that. I want you to hear about six or seven of the comments. After the break, we're going to play those for you. But, again, I trust by now many of you have heard the comments, at least some of those. I don't know that everybody listened to the entire 30-minute uh, press conference, but I'm going to trust you heard a lot of what he had to say. Um, we'll tell you what, what jumped off the page for us. We gave you kind of a trend. I'll tell you some specific things he said, some of which I agree with, by the way. Some of which I don't, but some of which a lot of a lot of what he said I do agree with. So we'll certainly talk about that coming up. That'll be our lead story today. We'll talk about the Gator basketball team later on. We'll talk about boy, I thought a curious hire by the Carolina Panthers. I thought that was the most. I'm I won't say bad hire because we'll see, but it was the most surprising hire to me of the carousel. You agree with that? By a mile. By by, by a mile. Yeah. The most well, good or bad, we'll see. But yeah. surprising. I think it speaks to. What's going on in Carolina? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, it's and one of thirty-two, but yeah, something. I think there was some, and, and we're running out of openings. Yeah, but it almost yeah. feels like there were guys that maybe said, "I'd rather just pass on this year instead of going there." Something weird, something, yeah, something. Because the uh, the fact that the Carolina Panthers made a very unusual hire, so it really got my attention. We'll talk about that. Uh, the MVP candidates are available. We'll certainly get to that. I've got a lot of stuff to do. It's a busy day. But let's take a break. When we come back, I, I want to begin the program by playing about seven or eight comments from Trent Baalke in the event that you didn't hear those in the event that you didn't. Uh, the ones that I think are of significance uh, that he made today in that press conference. We'll give you our thoughts on it. The general manager spoke. We'll talk Jaguars football. That's how we'll kick off the program. Also on Old Rock Thursday, it's 1010XL and 92.5 FM. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's an old rock Thursday. Music, the way it should be, or at least used to be, on The Frangie Show. If you didn't know this one was coming today, <laughs> you probably weren't paying a lot of attention. Is that a safe assumption? Is that a yeah. safe statement? Yeah, and I have a feeling a lot of the songs you mentioned yesterday will make the playlist. Yeah. Doobie Brothers are coming to town. That news broke on the program yesterday. Then it led uh, ABC News and 
CNN and MSNBC and Fox, Bleacher Report, BuzzFeed. Is there still BuzzFeed? Yeah. Teen Beat. Teen Beat. Highlights Magazine. (laughs) Oh. Doobie Brothers today on Old Rock Thursday. I'll be there when they get here in July. Write that down. All day today you're going to hear those guys. Uh, Trent Baalke, that was the news of the day. The general manager spoke to the, uh, the media today. A lot of comments. The first one was the obvious question. There's been rumors out there that there's a rift or a disconnect between the coach and the general manager, Trent Baalke and Doug Peterson. Uh, he was asked if they're on the same page. Probably even more so. You know, uh, you know, when you go through tough times, you find out a lot about a lot of people. You know, and the season didn't end the way we wanted it to. Uh, we, we had some strong conversations throughout the year kind of where things were at and what we were, you know, where things were trending. Uh, so great communication, great collaboration, and really respect uh, him and, and everything that he does. Uh, so I, I don't think there's any, a lot of what's written, a lot of the narratives that are out there are just false, plain and simple, false narratives. To that end, they've now hired a new co- a new defensive coordinator, Ryan Nielsen. A lot of people wondered, did Trent make the hire? Did Doug make the hire? I tried to explain yesterday as best I could. That's a coach. That's Doug making the hire, not Trent. But he was asked about that today. Coach owns the staff, just like they do in most places, and no different here. Uh, and I respect the decisions that he makes. I mean, we collaborate. We work together. I sat in on all the interviews. Uh, we shared our thoughts. But at the end of the day, Coach owns it, and, and I respect those decisions. The other thing is um, he believes it was a good roster, and, yeah, things went bad at the end, but he believes they had a competitive football team. You know, uh, there were four teams left uh, a week ago. We, we beat two of those teams. We lost a one-score game to another one. and another one, we were down by three points with four minutes left in the third quarter. So we felt we had a competitive football team. Well, we didn't win the number of games we wanted to win, and that's on all of us, uh, me included. Look no further than here. But, uh, you know, there's some things that we have to do. We've recognized it, and, and we're making those changes as we go. The big thing he said, and he talked about one of the things that went wrong, was who were the Jaguars, and did people truly know who they were? I'm not a coach. You know, those are questions for for coach. Uh, you know, I, I think if I look at it from a big picture, you know, create an identity. You know, who are we? Uh, offensively, defensively, special teams. You know, I felt we did that toward the end of last year. I'm not so sure we got to that point this year. Um, but that's number one. You got to have an identity. Who are you? And he made the point that they had an identity last year, wasn't so sure they had an identity this year, which was an interesting comment uh, about uh, about the the team and the way it played out. There also were reports in the media. I think Albert Breer, I think D-Rock asked it, Hayes, today about the uh, Albert Breer report that uh, that Trent was critical of Press Taylor, the offensive coordinator, and that Trent didn't want Press Taylor to be the offensive coordinator that Doug did. Uh, Trent was asked about that report today. Coach and I and ownership, you know, we, we talked throughout the year. We've talked uh, through about everything. And uh, those discussions, you know, will remain private, you know. But at the end of the day, like I said, Coach owns the, the coaching staff. And he's held responsible for that coaching staff. And I can tell you this, I support every decision that he makes 100%. You know, we have discussions. We get through with the discussions. 
whether it's the draft, free agency, coaches, personnel staff, support staff, we go through the process and we talk about everything. And at the end of the day, once the decision's made, we make it, we, go move, we, we move on. So I'm 100% behind anything coach decides because I've been factored into it. I've been a part of those discussions. He made it very clear Josh Allen's going to be on the team. He was also asked, what are his thoughts about wide receiver Calvin Ridley? Calvin did some awfully good things. I, I love Calvin Ridley. He's, uh, he's all ball. Uh, you guys and gals that were able to see it practice, I mean, he loves, to, he loves to practice. He loves to play. He loves the game. You know, when you bring somebody in that hasn't been a part of football for over a year and a half, it, you got to knock the rust off. And he did that. And, and at times he showed he, who he was, who he can be. And finally, I'm going to go back to the first thing. Uh, he was asked about uh, the, the, the relationship between he and Doug Peterson, uh, the general manager and the head coach. He reiterated toward the end of the press conference that he and Doug uh, are on the same page as much as they've ever been. Yeah, I think we have a real good pulse. We've had some real good discussions. And going back to Gene's first co- you know, question on the collaboration and, and the, the unity we have in this building, you know, and I can't speak for Doug, and, uh, but I'm sure he'll speak when, it, when he has a chance to speak. The collaboration, the unity that we have together, uh, the respect we have for one another has never been better. So, again, I go back to that narrative that Gene mentioned. That, that's a false narrative. Nothing to it. The comments of uh, Trent Balky, and again, the whole, the whole interview is available on demand. Our friends from Jaguars.com streamed it today, and we played it on the radio station from 1130 to noon today uh, in its entirety. Some things that I took out of it. Number one, he says collaboration uh, is as good as ever between he and Doug. Um, he said that a, a number of times. Josh Allen will be a Jaguar. He made it very clear Josh will be a Jaguar. Um, I believe that because obviously they have the outfits. They have they have the insurance policy, which is the franchise tag. They don't want to use that, but the insurance policy is in place. To his credit, he mentioned the Evan Ingram deal. Evan Ingram was put on the tag. The Evan Ingram deal took a long time to get consummated, uh, but at the end of the day, he got an extension and had his biggest year as a, as a pro, so it can happen. Josh Allen will be on the team. I do think they want Calvin Ridley on the team. I think at some point, somehow, they, w- they would like to have him on the team. I thought he made it very clear about that. The, the main points he made were the onboarding and then development of the players. They didn't do a good enough job of that, did not do a good enough job of developing the players. He was very clear about that. And they weren't as good a football team because they weren't physical in the trenches. They were not physical. In th- the same thing we've all been saying for the longest time, You've got to be better in the trenches, and they weren't. And he made that point very, very clear. He was asked about Trevor, and he said Trevor did fine. He was a young player who got better and, and had some ups and downs. But he said something very interesting. He said Trevor had way too many injuries. He listed all of them, the shoulder, the ankle, the knee, and the concussion. And he said that's alarming when you have that many. He said so we have to do a better job of protecting him and Trevor has to do a better job of protecting himself, which I thought was an interesting comment. And finally, he was asked about Ryan Nielsen. He went on. You can tell he likes that hire. He went on and on about him. He talked about uh, uh, the fact that he was on a family vacation at Disney, but he came up, impressed everybody. Everybody in the building was wild. He's very excited about it. He did say at one point the scheme will change. Now, he didn't get into details about that, but he said the scheme will change. Now, this is one I've tried not to read too much into it because it sounds like if you do that, you're putting words in his mouth. 
But he did say the scheme will change. He said the same thing I said yesterday on the program. Don't get too caught up in the man versus zone stuff. Uh, everyone said he's going to play press man, play press man. You don't know that. But when he said the scheme will change, what I did see, and I, and, I, and now this is me reading into it because he didn't say this. I don't want to misrepresent this. Trayvon Walker's hands on the ground. That's the one. That's the one thing, Hayes. I will tell you, because number one, I know they think he's better with his hand on the ground. If they go, if they become a four-three base team, see, I will say this: coaches. I mean, coaches all say, "Listen, you're in nickels sixty-five, seventy percent of the time anyway, so it doesn't matter what you're." I don't believe that. I think what I think I do believe you're in nickel sixty-five percent of the time, but I think what your base scheme is does matter. I could see them becoming more of a 4-3 base team. That I could see them. And if that's the case, Trayvon Walker is a perfect big end. And I think Josh Josh Allen is a perfect rush end. So I think they've got the personnel to do it. I do see, and I'm and I'm reading into it, but he used the phrase scheme change. I think he said scheme, right? He, he did. He, he used, said, well, schematically, there's going to be a change. That's what he said. Schematically, there's going to be a change. That was clear. Well, there's not that many things you can change to. Right. So I and when people talk schematically, by the way, no one's talking about offense. Nobody's when you hear someone say scheme, nobody talks about offensive schemes. Anytime you hear the word scheme in football, they're usually talking about defense. So there will be a change schematically to me. Hayes, that means four guys. Uh, that means four, three, more than three, four. That's my opinion. Yeah, and, and that's probably what they're better suited to do. Um, one thing that, that he added uh, and it was it was a good question uh, about does the Nielsen hire change what you're looking for uh, in this you know in personnel and uh, while Balky acknowledged that schematically there's going to be a change he said it's not going to necessarily affect the type of personnel we look for uh, which is interesting and that's a that's a good thing I mean the last thing this team needs is to hire a coordinator who's now going to do something to where qualified players that you have returning maybe now aren't so qualified because now you're going to ask them to do things they're not suited to do. Uh, so that's sort of the last thing the Jaguars need. I mean, they have enough things that they, they need to get corrected. So I was, I was glad to hear that, that at least it's not one of these things where, you know, now we've created needs by deciding to make a defensive change. Yeah. The other thing I'll add is when he was asked about Trevor Lawrence's contract extension, he said, that he's obviously going to be here long term and they'll do something at the appropriate time. So not sure if that means this season or this, I should say, off season or a year from now. Yeah. So uh, Trevor, Trevor, Trevor Lawrence is going to be the Jaguars quarterback. I, I don't worry about that. He's going to be the Jaguars. There's no chance he's not going to play for the Jaguars anytime in the foreseeable future. So, so we'll see. I am um, uh, interesting. I don't think you'll hear from, I do think, uh, We'll get both Doug and Trent at the Combine. I'm hopeful we are. Yeah. I'm hopeful we'll sit on the program. So I think we'll have both of those guys there. Uh, I don't think we'll know a whole lot more. I do think we'll know a, a defensive staff by then, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. I think we'll know the defensive staff by then. We'll get a pretty good idea of, of who's uh, who's doing what. So, But I'm glad he spoke. I think that at least now he came out. He spoke for 30 minutes. I agree with you, Hayes. That's the right amount of time. He spoke for the right amount of minutes. Um, I think um, we said yesterday there's something. He was never going to tell you the direction they're going. Uh, two or three people asked him. It might have been Baloo that said – it might have been Baloo. It might have been Frenette. I don't remember who it was. But somebody said, given that you weren't very good at the line of scrimmage, will that be your direction? Now, it, it, 
it was asked a little longer than that, but it was, is your direction of free agency the draft, the trenches? And obviously you can't answer that. You can't say what we're going to go do, but I think it's pretty clear it's going to be, wouldn't you say? Well, yeah, and again, he mentioned multiple times they need to get bigger, stronger. They need to play with more physicality. Right. Well, you're not drafting receivers and corners and, and prioritizing that in free agency if, right. if that's the mission statement. So, you know, it's, it's I think, going to be a trenches off season, which is what it needs to be. Look, th- this is what I'll say, and, and I, I'm a little – uh, I'm not ready to sit here and say I've got great hopes for the the team coming up. I think they're an average team, and I don't know that they'll jump to going from average to really good. But I'll give them this. They ran the ball for 3.6 yards a carry last season while allowing 4.2 yards per carry. So if you're 3.6 – and they're 4.2, and you win nine games, you've got something right. So it's not an overhaul. They're, they're right about that. They don't need an overhaul. It's just can they, can they get it correct with the tweaks that are needed, both in the front office where adding better players at center and guard and defensive tackle are paramount, and can the coaching staff develop that to find the identity where they're not woeful on short yardage offensively. They're not woeful inside the one where they're relying on a quarterback to dive over the top with his you know, hands stretched out, just begging for a 99-yard fumble return for a touchdown. While the guard and the center are pulling. Yeah, I mean, that's what and, – and defensively, are they able to be as good against the run as they were in the first half of the season where they were very good? They, they went from being elite against the run to being pitiful – in the span of a of of a couple months, which is hard to do. So they won nine games going three point six yards per carry on offense and allowing four point two on defense. If that doesn't tell you if, if that that almost every significant investment this offseason has got to be in the trenches, then nothing will. We'll take a break. When we come back, uh, let's go around the NFL a little bit. Very interesting hire in uh Carolina. Got my attention. We'll talk about that and more when we continue. Stay with us. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's an old rock Thursday. Music the way it should be, or at least used to be, on The Frangie Show. Rock Thursday. I'd less, at least let them get to that part. Frank Frazier's Carlin R.J. Saunders. I am Lauren Brooks. All right, Frank, the Panthers made a surprising hire, and that is taking former Bucks offensive coordinator and making him the head coach. The reason I think it surprised a lot of people is Dave Canales was only the offensive coordinator for the Bucks for this past season. That's it. And he's been, other than that, with the Seahawks. He came from USC to uh, Seattle with Pete Carroll a long time ago. 
but only one season as an offense coordinator. Now he's the head coach. Yeah, he's very highly regarded as a football coach and did a fantastic job with the Bucks this year. Uh, and he's given a lot of credit for the development of Russell Wilson when he was under Pete Carroll, for Geno Smith uh, when he was there with him, obviously for Baker Mayfield this year with Tampa. So I don't doubt that Dave Canales is a rising star in the business, and I don't know that he won't be good. But that's an odd hire. It happened very fast, Hayes. Dan Morgan, very respected guy, the former Hurricane, the former uh, Panthers linebacker, who, by the way, have you seen Dan Morgan lately? He lost more weight than Andrew Luck. Okay, really? And he and, and not more than Andrew Luck. But yeah. He looked, but I, I saw he. We were down on the field. Well, when he yeah when he played at Miami. Yeah. I mean, he was a intimidating yes, middle backer. And he I mean, and in about, the NFL at about two forty five probably. Oh yeah. Okay. So so Gino and Gino Toretta and I were on the field for the Gator Bowl, and he was there because the Panthers were coming the next day. He was scouting, and he and Gino talked for a long time. I didn't know who it was because this guy was six two about one eighty five, mm-hmm. and I remember thinking. Gina says, Dan, I said, that's not Dan Morgan. Dan Morgan was 60 pounds heavier. So, but anyway, so Dan Morgan, a very respected scout, um, got the GM job. He'd, he'd been with the, the Panthers. And the next thing you know, boom, you look up, and Dave Canales is the coach. Well, turns out they worked together eight years in Seattle. Canales was the receivers coach, then the quarterbacks coach. Morgan was on that staff all those times, so for all those years. So now I kind of get it. Look, he may turn out to be terrific. I don't think you have to have been a coordinator for a long time. Bill Cower and John Harbaugh were never coordinators. Mike Tomlin was a coordinator one year, and they weren't very good. So you don't have to have been a coordinator. You have to be a good leader, you know, and I get that. But this one surprised me with the list of candidates that are out there. Again, I think Mike Vrabel is a really good coach. And I am now – did Ben Johnson get Washington, by the way? He, I don't think so, unless it just happened. There, wasn't there talk that he was – some people thought he was going to get – maybe not. I thought he was, there was talk he was getting Washington. Maybe it didn't happen yet. Maybe it will. Maybe it won't. I've got Atlanta, Washington, and Seattle still open. Okay, okay. So, uh, so but I – see a report from SI that says, Commander's coach rumors Ben Johnson can lock down the job in second interview. Okay, so he doesn't have it yet. But it looks like it's trending that Ben Johnson's headed to Washington. And I'm not surprised Ben Johnson's getting a job – he was the most heavily regarded coordinator in the coordinator carousel of any of them. So I'm not surprised he's getting a job. But I would be very surprised if we're down to two jobs and Mike Vrabel doesn't have a job. Vrabel might be sitting out. So might Belichick. Yeah, yeah. Belichick doesn't shock me as much because, number one, I think he's got enough, I think he's got enough uh, credibility to, to, to turn down jobs, which, which, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if there's three or four jobs that Bill Belichick just wasn't interested in. You know, I mean, I don't know that he – I don't know that Bill Belichick desperately wanted one of the eight and would take it. I don't know. Uh, secondly, again, you know how I feel about that. I'm not sure I, he'd be he'd – be, he'd be, I'm not sure today's Bill Belichick's the guy I would hire anyway. But I damn sure would hire Vrabel. And other people damn sure would hire Belichick. And, Hayes, I'm very surprised Dave – doesn't mean he won't be good, but that's the most surprising hire of this rotation for me and really the most surprising hire in a while for me. It really is. This, uh, probably as surprised as I was when Kingsbury got the Cardinals job. Remember how surprising that was? Yeah, that was. You, you looked Because he had just gotten fired as right. like an offense – or just gotten fired as Texas Tech's coach. Texas Tech's coach. Yeah. You looked up and Cliff Kingsbury is the head coach of the right. Arizona Cardinals. You're like, what in the world? Yeah, because they were getting Kyler. Yeah, yeah, correct. Uh, and uh, yeah, and, and so, so this one surprised me. And this one's obviously tied to the quarterback as well. Um, you know, Bryce Young had a dismal rookie year, under 60% completion, 11 touchdowns, 10 picks. We saw him here late in the season. It was about as bad a quarterback performance Agreed. as we've ever witnessed. 
So obviously this coach is going to be somebody that they hope can unlock Bryce Young, who does have a lot of physical limitations, which is shocking since he was the number one pick, but, but he does. Uh, and so I think they looked at it and said, can we go get a coach that not only has success with quarterbacks, but has been able to move small quarterbacks around and make them effective. You mentioned Russell Wilson, who would fall into that category of not being very tall. And, uh, and Baker Mayfield you know, falls into that as well. And, uh, and he was able to guide Mayfield to arguably the best season of his career. I mean, it, it was the best season of his career from a touchdown passes standpoint uh, and from uh, uh, almost in his second best from a rating standpoint. So, you know, I think they, they probably viewed that as we need somebody that is comfortable leading and working with a quarterback that doesn't have tremendous physical traits. And, uh, you know, and, and so that's the direction they went. I, I also, again, wonder if, again, it's, it's one of 32. That's always going to be powerful. But it does kind of make me wonder if some of the coaches were like, look, I, the owner is a disaster and I don't believe in the quarterback. I mean, if you didn't like Bryce Young coming out of the draft, you certainly don't like him after seeing what he did as a rookie. He was being coached by Frank Reich, who was a good coach. This wasn't some Urban Meyer. Absolutely he doesn't know what the right. heck he's doing, and he doesn't understand the league. And you know, so I'm not. I mean, Frank Reich knows the league well. And I mean, he really is a respected. really good football coach. So the fact that he obviously couldn't do anything with him, uh, there probably there probably were some candidates that. We're like, I don't know that Carolina is where I'm gonna I'm gonna invest the rest of of my career in, and so I, I, it makes sense that they would end up with a, a candidate that was a little off the grid. But to your point, this is always a game of musical chairs. Now there's only three vacancies, and there are a lot of accomplished coaches that want to work that are not going to work. And I'll tell you one bad thing about this for the Jaguars. You really need Bobby Slowick to get a job, and now it's they're running out of of places for him. The last thing you want is for him to return to Houston, because it's going to be harder to expect C.J. Stroud to have any kind of sophomore slump if he retains his O.C. Now, if Slowick leaves, that would at least open the door to to a D'Amico Ryan's mistake with the hire and the new OC and Stroud don't see eye to eye. And maybe he doesn't have as big a year as he did this year. And maybe that helps the Jaguars get back to the top of the division. So Slowick needs to go. I mean, one of these three needs to be Bobby Slowick and, and hopefully it will be. He just completed his second interview with the Falcons. So hopefully the Falcons have decided Bill Belichick is not the answer. And yes, Bobby Slowick is. I think the main thing to me for Canales, Frank, like you talked about with the quarterbacks, Baker Mayfield was playing too slowly, and therefore you get sacked a lot when you don't get the ball out quickly. What happened to Bryce Young? He got sacked a ton. Now, that's not all his fault, but playing faster will certainly help reduce that, and so that's one thing that obviously the Panthers and Dan Morgan identified with Canales, and if that can, if they can get Bryce Young to play faster, then hopefully for their sake, uh, he's going to get at least find some more guys because we saw him just miss DJ Chark a few times. And Canales is a guy to that end that understands today's game, today's tempo 
quarterbacks today. Hayes, you made Lauren made a good point about understanding the tempo, and you're right. Hayes, you made a good point too. He's 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 worked with undersized quarterbacks. Undersized quarterbacks have to find passing lanes. I'll never forget I had this conversation with Tom Coughlin. I've told the story in the year before. Mark Brunel was they listed him at six feet six one. I think Mark's probably five eleven, maybe six feet, which back then was really short for a quarterback. Now there's now there's a lot of that, but back then it was really short. And you remember the offensive line, Baselli was six seven Ben Coleman was 6'6", Wydell was 6'7", DeMarco was 6'7". Remember how gigantic that line was? And I asked Tom, I said, is that a problem, having a, a shorter quarterback with all those six foot seven offensive linemen? He said, Frank, that's his job. His job is to find passing lanes. I, I, if, you're, if you're an undersized quarterback, you have to, you have, it's your job to figure that out. Well, Canales is a guy, to Hayes' point, that's worked with guys who had to figure that out. With work, now, again, with RPO and everybody in the shotgun, it's a different world now than it was then, but you get the point. He he's got to find. It's his job to find those passing lanes. And Dave, and Dave Canales, Lauren, to your point, is 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 worked with tempo and has worked with uh, shorter quarterbacks. So so I I think Dave Canales is probably a pretty good football coach. I was just surprised by the hire. So we'll see what happens. I guess, I guess, I just three jobs open. I do think Ben Johnson's landing in Washington. I think there's when there's enough smoke, there's some fire there. So that means two jobs are open. Atlanta, if, let's assume that happens. Let's assume Ben Johnson lands in Washington, which I think he's going to. Then two jobs are open, and that is Atlanta and Seattle, and three coaches are available that are big-name guys, if you count Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll, Belichick, and Vrabel, one of whom can't go back to Seattle because he just left there, <laughs> and Pete Carroll. But it'll be, I That'd mean. That'd be so hilarious. <laughs> they hired him back. Yeah. The, uh, but I, I just, I wonder where we're, I, I I will be shocked if this thing ends and Mike Vrabel doesn't have a job. I, I will not be shocked if Bill Belichick doesn't have a job because I'm the one that said he wasn't going to coach again anyway. I was wrong because he's clearly trying to. But I, I'm, I'm the one that said it. I would not be surprised if one of the 70-plus guys doesn't get a job. I would be very surprised if 40-whatever Mike Vrabel doesn't get a job. I'm telling you, if this thing closes and Mike Vrabel's not a head coach, I would be absolutely shocked. I really would. Well, so it, it seems to make sense then that Ben Johnson goes to Washington, Slowick goes to Atlanta, and Vrabel to Seattle. Well, that would make sense to me. If, if, and Belichick just doesn't get a job. Yeah, I would. What you just said would make sense to me. Ben Johnson to Washington, which I think is going to happen. Slowick, and by the way, um, I just talked to my neighbor Walt four doors down the other day. He told me he finished his second interview with the Falcons. I mean, <laughs> yeah. everybody in America has interviewed with the Falcons. Except just, Press Taylor. Except for Press Taylor. Twice. Uh, so Bobby Slowick to the Falcons, Ben Johnson to Washington, and Mike Vrabel to Seattle. Hayes, that would make sense. That would be – and then and Pete Carroll, who I don't expect to get a job, and Bill Belichick, who I'm not shocked doesn't get a job, winds up uh, not working. Yeah, it's possible that it ends like that. It also could be that Dan Quinn gets the Seahawks job, Slowick gets the Falcons job, Ben Johnson gets the Commander's Vrabel job. Vrabel doesn't work. Vrabel, Belichick, nice. and Carroll. I think Belichick and Carroll would probably be done uh, forever. And then Vrabel could have been the Jags defensive coordinator uh, for the year that he has off. It would have been a year. It would have been a year. Yeah, it will be a year. doing it again. And, and then he'll get back into it. Yeah, interesting stuff. I, 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 by the way, is, is Biennemi's is – he, is he done? Did he miss the window? It's, it feels like it. Uh, I mean, he was the hottest candidate forever and never got one, and now he doesn't even get mentioned. I mean, Washington interviewed him yeah. because he was on the staff. I didn't see he's where he got, interviewed him. Again, he's got stuff from his college days that right. I think is still really, you know, a, a, an issue for clubs. It so, must be. because So it, there's a little bit of an asterisk on the enemy in terms of, you know, these owners, they, they don't want to hire a head coach and introduce them and then have the 
you know, press conference go awry because questions start coming up of stuff that happened years ago. And so that's that'd be my guess. I mean, obviously, from a football standpoint, I mean, he's more than qualified, but it doesn't seem like yeah. any anybody really wanted to talk to him this time around. Well, we'll take a break. Uh, let's talk NFL MVPs, Offensive Players of the Year and more after this. Stay with us. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's an old rock Thursday. Music, the way it should be, or at least used to be, on The Frangie Show. Tom Johnston doesn't get enough credit as a lead vocalist. Agreed. Nobody knows. I mean, everyone knows who Steve Perry was. Yeah, and, you know, point. Doesn't get enough. Uh, he's not a household name. He's not. not. I mean, not at all. So, so there you go. So, there you go. Stupid brother's opinion for you. The uh, MVP uh, finalists are announced, and the Offensive Player of the Year. I can't imagine how they're not the same thing. Um, Lamar, McCaffrey, Dacker, finalists for both. Josh Allen and Brock Purdy are also in the MVP mix. They're the five. Uh, Tyreek Hill and C.D. Lamb are in the Offensive Player of the Year mix. They're the, they're, that completes the five. Um, I think they're different, by the way, MVP and Offensive Player of the Year. How so? Well, obviously they are, but how so? Why do you think that? I'm saying I think they vote for two different people. I oh, think you think two different people will win? Yes. Yeah, okay. that's what, didn't you say you think the, they'll be the same? I think the, I think the award's kind of the same. I, I can't, oh, I I gotcha. can't see how they – but go ahead. Make your point. I think Lamar wins MVP. I think Christian McCaffrey wins Offensive Player okay. of the Year. That, that's one way, that's one, having two awards is one way to decide. Correct. What about it? Who, who wins? You're, I got a lot of thoughts on this. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be Lamar uh, for MVP. The thing that, that I took away from it is how often are we going to see a year in which Patrick Mahomes plays every game and is not among the MVP mm-hmm. finalists? I agreed. And okay. they're still playing. Yeah. I, I mean, that is not going to happen very often. So I, it, it's funny because the best player in the game, the most valuable player, uh, is not in the top five. But, you know, it's, it's a numbers game. And, and Lamar Jackson's had a phenomenal season. He's, he's going to be a very deserving MVP I just found it ironic that Mahomes point. isn't even you. in the top five. I, I, did yeah, I did too. I did too. I thought the same thing. Um, By the way, they're going to use that as more fuel. That last week it was first game on the road for him and, and us against them mentality, and now they're going to add to it. Lamar, or I mean Patrick, you're not even MVP. Lamar is. Dak Prescott had a fantastic year: 36 touchdowns, nine picks in the regular year. C.D. Lamb was a very big part of that. They're both very deserving players. Uh, Tyreek Hill might be the best receiver in the league. Um, he's certainly a very good player. Brock Purdy, whether he's game manager or not, he's a really good player. Danny makes a good point. He probably should get more credit than he does. Josh Allen might be the most physically gifted football player in the league. He's that physically gifted. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, I think, is the is one of the most dynamic players I've seen come along in a long time. But forget all those guys. Lamar Jackson's the most dynamic player in the NFL right now. I think Patrick Mahomes is the best player in the NFL. Lamar Jackson, I think has no peers in terms of dynamic, charismatic playing style. He also has become a very efficient, mature passing quarterback. I think Lamar Jackson is magnificent because he always could take off and run. He always was a good leader because he worked so hard and is so respected. He's become a really good passer, a really accurate passer. He makes throws on time. He makes accurate throws. 
I think Lamar, and I've been rail, I've been going on and on about this for weeks now. I suppose we said they had this conversation about Patrick Mahomes yesterday. He's he's the Michael Jordan of today. He's the he's the LeBron, the Tiger Woods of today. I don't think we, as a football following public, truly appreciate how great Lamar Jackson is. I think he is a great, 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 great football player. I think that, and I think he's a hands-down winner of both of these awards, if it's me. Well, what's hurt him is uh, the last two years, he only started 12 games, so he missed I agree. the final act. You know, it's just it's hard to be the, the main event, the, the box office name above the title actor when you're not, your character is not in the final act, and, and he hasn't been the last two years because of the injury. Uh, but obviously, this year he's healthy. He's playing at an unbelievable level. And I, I will give him credit for this. This, this Just looking at it, this stat surprised me. So Lamar Jackson has been uh, a full-time starter for the last five seasons. He started seven games as a rookie, but I'm not going to count that year. So in the five years where Lamar Jackson has started the full season, he's only thrown double-digit interceptions one time. That's pretty good for a guy where the run is the weapon and the pass is the just be functional enough to, uh, you know, to remain in the lineup. I mean, the fact that, I mean, for his career, he's 125 touchdown passes, 45 picks. I mean, a pocket quarterback would love to have, uh, you know, uh, basically a three-to-one ratio in the NFL. So it, the fact that he gives you that, Plus, obviously, the the playmaking as a runner and all the attention he commands even beyond that, even when he doesn't run, uh, you have to honor that. So, you know, it, it's it, it it's he's just he's the total package. And he really, I think, has embraced taking his athleticism and getting the most out of it and really learning the game and what does it take. And I uh, it, it's it's hard to find a flaw. Uh, you know, obviously the flaw was the lack of postseason success. He started to put that to bed uh, last week with the win over Houston, and, and he played very well in that game, ran for 100 yards. I, I, I think if he loses this game, that comes up a little bit that, boy, you know, why can't he get them there? Like, I think it'll be somewhat of a talking point. But, you know, losing to Mahomes in the tournament, right. even at home, there's not going to be a, a whole lot of – there'll obviously be supreme disappointment. But I don't know that you have to, like, look – have a, you know, a, a long look in the mirror when you lose to Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs in, in the playoffs. But if he wins and he gets to the Super Bowl, to your point, Frank, yeah, I mean, Lamar Jackson is is absolutely got a chance – to be one of the most electrifying overall athletes in the world of sports. I can tell you this. I think, Lauren, the point is he's become a pocket quarterback when he has to be. That was the question. Would he ever be an accurate enough passer to win? Because in this league, you got to hit the easy ones. The great ones, the ones that win, hit the easy ones every time. You can't, you can't be four out of six on swing passes. You have to be six out of six on swing passes. You have to be 11 out of 11 on checkdowns. You can't miss a checkdown. You can miss the 40-yard down the field ball. You can't miss the checkdown, and he had been erratic. He completed 67% of his passes this year. Same as Mahomes. Yeah, exactly right. He, he, he became a 67% passer. I'll tell you this. is the play-by-play -play voice of the Jacksonville Jaguars and playing all these AFC teams 
all these years. I've done this for 10 years now. So I've done I've I've called every game that the Jags have ever played against Patrick Mahomes, every game they've ever played against Lamar Jackson, every game they've ever played against Josh Allen. I've called every one of them. I can tell you and, and every other player too by the way. There's a handful of players I fear when we play them. Derrick Henry tops the list. I fear playing Derrick Henry. I fear that it's going to be handoff to Derrick Henry gets a block into the open field. I fear that. Um Everybody fears Mahomes. Everybody. I fear playing number eight almost more than any of them. I mean, is the play-by-play voice rooting for the home team every time? I fear playing Lamar Jack. I fear third and 11 scares me because I think he's going to tuck it and run for 18 yards. Uh, Second and four worries me because I think he's going to play fake to Gus Edwards and throw a dart to Mark Andrews right on the button, which which was not the fear four years ago. I fear him more as an opponent, probably not more than Mahomes, but boy, he's right, right, right there for me. Well, you go back to the play he made throwing the ball to likely uh, yes. here. I mean, that game is is in the balance. You know, if the Jaguars can get a stop there, certainly if they get a turnover there, and that's the kind of pass that can be a, a pick. I mean, it was across his body, across the field. Uh, he didn't get – it didn't seem like he got a great look at it because he was – I think he got out of a smoot sack maybe, something like that on that play. But he was heavily pressured and and puts the ball in a perfect spot for Isaiah Likely, the tight end, to go up and get it over Jenkins. And uh, there were two defenders. It, maybe it was Wingard. I can't remember. But there were there were two Jaguar defenders right there. And that's that's an MVP play. That's a play being made late in a game that helps uh, propel your team to victory. Yeah, I mean, he's he's incredibly dangerous. I mean, look, the Ravens could have won the Super Bowl the last two years. They just didn't have him. But he was 7-5 and five when he got hurt in 21 as a starter, so they were right in the mix. He was 8-4, and four, or the Ravens were 8-4, and four, when he got hurt last year. So they were right in the mix. Like, his record as a starter is 58-19. and 19. So when Lamar Jackson starts, they're really, really tough to beat. That winning percentage has got to be on par with Mahomes's. And so, yeah, I mean, if if he is playing, they are incredibly difficult to beat. And the reason, by the way, the Jaguars beat them, not this past season, but the season before, is because Trevor Lawrence threw for 321 yards and three touchdowns. That's how if Mahomes and the Chiefs are going to beat the Ravens on Sunday, it's ha- it's going to have to be through the air and attacking. But, yeah, Frank, the other reason Lamar had to become a good pocket passer is because you get injured at some point in time in the season if you're running the football more often than you're passing. That's just the nature of the league, and that's why he was hurt those two seasons is because he ran too many times, and so now that he's become a better pocket passer, he's going to be healthier. He is really a good player, and, and, you're, and you're right, Hayes. He, you got to – you got to finish the season. Uh, if you're if you're the always hurt guy, then you're not regarded as the greatest player. You can't be the always hurt guy. Patrick Mahomes misses no time. Tom Brady, other than the year he hurt his knee when Matt Castle came in, missed no time. The great players don't miss any time, and you got to do that as well. All right, we'll take a break. Uh, Jim Harbaugh's got a job. We didn't even talk about that. That Lauren and I were talking about during the break. We forgot to get to it because it was just so assumed. Jim Harbaugh will he make the Chargers great? That's our topic. Stay with us. 
The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's an old rock Thursday. Music, the way it should be, or at least used to be, on The Frangie Show. I think uh, Hayes Carline, if I got this right, if I remember right, memory serves, he broke the stories when uh, C. Spurrier went back to Florida. Jags were going to draft Tony Baselli. Who shot Kennedy? Yeah. But the biggest break was yesterday. Right. That the doobies are coming. Yeah, that was okay. good. I mean, who shot Kennedy? I haven't big at all. Okay. No, how could you sleep yeah. now knowing this? Yeah. Kid me. It's only, let's see, what is it, July? What did you tell me, July 8th, something like that? Yeah, I think so. So it's only it's gonna uh, be a fun show. I can tell you only from experience months, months. that is going to be a fun show. Oh, no question. I've seen them too. It'll be, I've seen them a few times. So I'm with you like that. So there you go. So uh, Old Rock Thursday today is by the Doobie Brothers, one of my favorite all-time bands. How's Jim Harbaugh going to do? He's going to be the uh, new coach. Uh, massive success where he wins the Super Bowl because he's won everywhere else. Or will he be a flop like so many of the college coaches are when they get to the pros? I think in between. I don't think he wins the Super Bowl, but I think he's a pretty good coach. I think chargering is is potentially going to go away, and they'll make the playoffs with Justin Herbert. But I don't see – I still don't see a Super Bowl coming. I, I, to me, you still have to have a fan base in order to make it to a Super Bowl. You have to have home field advantage. The Chargers have none of that. And they'll be talented, sure. They'll make the playoffs, like I said, but I don't see a Super Bowl coming to them. I think it's it's just so incredibly hard to predict that for anyone that's not named the Chiefs because of how deep the conference is. I mean, I think he's a really talented coach. I think Justin Herbert is much better than what a lot of people believe. So I think it's going to work for the Chargers, and I do think that they will be really good. But the problem is they're so much really good in the AFC now. I mean, there's only seven spots. And you still have to start with the Chiefs, no matter what happens on Sunday. So you've got the Chiefs to deal with, the Ravens to deal with, the Bills. What does Houston become with C.J. Stroud? Looks pretty good so far. You've got Joe Burrow coming back from injury. Cincinnati's going to be very good again. Cleveland just won 11 games without getting really anything from Deshaun Watson. So what if you know he finds form? The Dolphins are talented. They won 11 games. The Jets have Aaron Rodgers coming back. That's that's eight teams before I even get into Sean Payton did better than what I thought in Denver. What does he do in year two? Have the Raiders figured something out with Pierce and, and the talent they have? The Jaguars, when you're talking about the Chargers, the Jaguars could certainly be a team fighting for a spot in the seven. So – there's just so much depth in this conference that I, I, I think it's hard to predict dominance. I mean, if, if he wins, consistently wins like 11 games, if, if over the next three years they find their way to 33 wins, I think he'll have done an amazing job because of how tough the road is every year. The toughest thing for college guys that become NFL coaches is the college football coach is the CEO. He's the king. He's the mayor. He is in charge of the kingdom. And there is no other discussion. There's nobody else in charge. There's nobody else whose uh, opinion matters, including the athletics director. 
He's the boss. In the NFL, you're not necessarily. You, you may not be in charge of personnel. So to that end, can you see anybody telling Jim Harbaugh what to do or who his players are going to be? I, 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 I know the old, if I'm going to do the, if, if I'm going to be the cook in the kitchen, I want to do the shopping Bill Parcells line. But I've got to believe Jim Harbaugh is going to have a lot of say. They just fired Tom Telesco, who's the GM. Well, I think he's a good GM. The Raiders hired him immediately. I, I know it didn't work in, uh, with the Chargers, but I think he's a sharp football guy. And, and the Raiders couldn't hire him fast enough, by the way. Yeah, they yeah. had a lot of talent. Yeah, Their issue yeah. was Brandon Staley. Correct. So, But nonetheless, they got the GM fired. So, so do you think Harbaugh gets to kind of hand-select the GM? Well, there's three guys in play. Brandon Brown, the Browns guy. Ed Dodds, who everybody thinks is really good. He's been on the list literally for 10 years. Yeah. I yeah. mean, talk about a guy. Yeah. That he, he and Mike Borgonzi in Agreed. Kansas City. On every it's list. like for 10 years. Yeah. So, so uh, and, and this guy, Joe Hortiz, who's the Ravens director of personnel, who you know Harbaugh knows through his brother John. But don't you have to believe, to your question, Lauren, even if he doesn't handpick the, the the GM, he's gonna have a lot to say with what the GM who the GM picks, wouldn't you think? Yeah. And I gotta believe I gotta believe Jim Harbaugh will be as close as a there's no total control guys anymore, but won't he be about as close as total control as you can get? It's, I gotta believe it's Harbaugh's it's Harbaugh's business. I would say with Belichick looking like he might not right. be employed this season. I think no coach of the Correct. 32 probably has as much say as Harbaugh will have. That's what I think. So, so I think he's going to be really good. Now, your your point is right. He just he it's a, it's a hard league, and it's a really hard division in a really hard league. I get it, and it's uh, but it's but I think he's going to be real. I think he's a really good coach. I think he he's a very good. The most important thing, the most important thing for a coach, is not X's and O's. It's not. It's football knowledge. It's not X's and O's. It's being a great leader. I think Harbaugh's really good. He's quirky as crap. So it's hard. You <laughs> know what I mean? He, he's so so. It's hard to get a read on how he leads. But I think leadership and and you know, there's a fine line between respect and dignity you have to treat your players with. Because if you don't do that, you'll you'll lose them immediately. Yet you have to be demanding of them as well. I uh I think Harbaugh's really good, man. I mean, is there any? Uh, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Is there any team in college or pro football? Think about this for a second. Of the 31 in, in pro football and of the 130 in Power 5 college football, so of the of, – the, I'll call all 32. I'll put the charges in here. So of the 162 teams, is there any team that if you learn you learned you're losing your coach tomorrow, okay, whoever you are, your coach is leaving tomorrow, Save the Billy Napier jokes for a second, okay? I, I, know, I know they're coming, okay? And, you know what? And I'll enjoy them, but, mm -hmm. but just, just for a second, indulge me, okay? I won't. Um, if you're one of the 162 teams and your coach left for whatever reason, retired, uh, health reasons, and you found out Harbaugh was going to replace him, is there any of the 162 teams that wouldn't be happy? I mean, you're losing your coach. I don't mean, I don't mean you trade your coach for him. I right. mean, your coach is gone. Your coach decides. Your coach is gone. I'm your leaving. Your for coach is reason. what? How, yeah. How could you be upset with Jim Harbaugh? I mean, all 162 would be happy. 160. You're 162 of 160. I mean, college and pro. You'd be 162 of 162, right? Yeah, I think even Ohio State takes them. Even Ohio State. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, that's a no great chance. Yeah, but they'd be happy because <laughs> they'd have them in Michigan, wouldn't? Right. That's true. So, so I mean, is he? He might be first on that list. He'd be ahead of Saban on that list because the pro teams wouldn't get excited. You know, he'd be he, right. 
Yeah. He'd be first. The pro going, teams aren't excited about Kirby. Right, right. Correct. Yeah. Andy Reid might be the one but that. the colleges wouldn't be as excited. They, they wouldn't? Would, well, they wouldn't know. They wouldn't yeah. know if he could do it. The, the Harbaugh, they wouldn't be as All right. Is a Florida guy? <laughs> Just save them. I'm getting to you in a minute, okay? Yeah, I know they're coming. Yeah. And I know they'll be good. We got time. <laughs> but if 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 we lost. <laughs> I, I can't keep it. I can't look at him. I can't All keep right, it. I'll look this way. But if Billy Napier left. Of his own volition to take a better job. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Or whatever. Hayes is following. He left, okay? Mm-hmm. If he was not, if he was not, or if they fired him, how about that? Um, okay. And I could have Andy Reid or Jim Harbaugh. I'd take Jim Harbaugh. In a second. So so that's what I'm saying. He's first. He's first. You'd have you'd have to take Andy Reid to coach a college team over Jim Harbaugh? Yeah. I, I think Jim Harbaugh's. Recruit. He, I think he just cheated his way to a national championship. Oh. So, yeah, I'm taking Andy Reid and his frozen mustache all day long. <laughs> okay, okay. But I think most people would take Harbaugh. And, and, he, and, he, and by the way, if it's a pro team, Andy Reid. So that's my point. Who would not be excited about this guy and the Chargers of the team that get him? Yeah, I, th- I think you have to commend the Chargers. I mean, I've been critical of, of ownership there, the Spanos family. They've traditionally been very cheap. Uh, they, to their credit, they said when they fired Brandon Staley, we are going to invest in this search. And I, uh, and you know, so they, they'd heard the criticism and they delivered, I mean, for whatever fan base they have, uh, this has to get you excited. And look, I think if you're a casual foot football fan in LA, you're not a diehard Rams fan. Uh, you, you, you know, for whatever reason, you're, you're, uh, have a tepid interest. This at least, I think, gets your attention, where in that town, it's at least somewhat of a talking point of, wow, did you see what the Chargers did? They're really going all in. They just hired Jim Harbaugh, won a national title, and took the 49ers to a Super Bowl. I mean, yeah, it's I, I give the Chargers a lot of credit because that is a big-time hire. And obviously, they had to fend off some other teams. I mean, he interviewed uh, in Atlanta, so I – for the Chargers to be able to close the Harbaugh deal, it, it you have to view them a little differently now, I think. And and with Justin Herbert, and, and they do have a talented roster, uh, they will be one of the most fascinating teams to see what, what they become this fall. It'll it'll probably take him – they'll be good next year because of Herbert, and, and they won't be a, a clown show. Uh, so they'll probably – I think the floor for them, if they're relatively healthy, would be like nine and eight. But by year two, when when Harbaugh, I think I think it will take him a season to kind of get his bearings back in terms of how things go. But uh, but I, I think he's going to be very successful there. I don't know about Super Bowl because that's just there's so many great teams in the AFC. So it's it's hard to just get to a Super Bowl in the AFC, and then obviously you got to beat the NFC champion. I'd love to know his salary since Michigan came out, the athletic director came out and said, we were prepared to make him the highest paid coach in all of college football, but he decided to go to the NFL. So highest paid coach in college football now, I think is around 11 million. So to Hayes' point, the Spanos family had to come, I think, pay him a huge check. And he was, he was where Spurrier was. He was going to try it. He he, he was, he was going to try it. He, he, He was a, he was an he was a college coach with an NFL passing mindset, and he was going to everybody knew it. the Spurrier when Spurrier trying it when he did surprised everybody, but everybody knew at some point Spurrier was going to take a crack at the NFL. De- Dennis Erickson was going to take a crack at the NFL. Well, Jim Harbaugh was going to take a crack. At and Harbaugh is running out of chances. I mean, this was the perfect time for him to go. 
you just brought a national title to your alma mater. <laughs> That'll always be the last game you coached there. So how special is that? Uh, and, and, you know, you, you do have enough time to, if he wants to coach Justin Herbert for 10 years, he's going to have that window. Um, and, and so I think it's, it, so it's a win for all parties. It's certainly, it's a win for the NFL because now the chargers become an even more appealing team for primetime matchups. And I, it'll be interesting to see how the, how the TV looks at the chargers. Do they get a lot? My guess is they're going to get early. You're, you, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if the chargers open the season on Monday night football, you know, they're, they're not going to get the the big first game and they probably aren't going to get Sunday night football uh, week one. But I would think Jim Harbaugh is going to the, the league and the TV executives are going to want to put the Chargers because of the coaching quarterback into prime time early in the season uh, to, to harness the excitement that and the curiosity factor that he's going to bring. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, a uh, big win for the Gators. Hayes called it, Lauren. We didn't. I was so happy to be wrong. I was wrong. Dead I was, wrong. I was dead wrong, and I was dead happy, too. We'll talk about that uh, a little college hoop after this. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's an old rock Thursday. Music the way it should be, or at least used to be, on The Frangie Show. Rock Thursday. This would be Frank's favorite, South City Midnight Lady. It's one of the most beautiful songs ever written. Hey, do you remember them performing this song? I don't. Okay. About eight songs in. Was it? The, uh, I was about eight, eight drinks, drinks in. in. <laughs> so that, that would line up. And this, by the way, one of the few songs Patrick Simmons sings lead. You probably knew that, but Patrick Simmons sings. This is not Tom Johnson. Yes, I did know that, but I like when you... People get to learn more about fans again. It's one of the most beautiful songs I've ever heard. I'm. It's one of the most beautiful songs I've ever heard. I'll be surprised if the Dude Brothers don't sell out at Daly's Place with all of uh, the times we're going to talk about the Dude Brothers. <laughs> we'll do it all for them. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So yesterday I said I couldn't see a way for Florida win, Florida to win the basketball game against Mississippi State, mainly because Tolu Smith, the two-time Florida, played Mississippi State last year destroyed the Gators, had over 20 points, closer to 30. And I just didn't think that Florida was going to be physical enough. But, Frank, I give all the credit to Todd Golden and his team because he knew they had to double him. And Josh Hubbard, the freshman, they said, okay, he's going to get his, which ended up being 26 points. But as long as we protect the rim and, and defend the paint, Tolu Smith doesn't go off, I think we can win this basketball game. That was a good win for them. And, Hayes, you called it. You thought they'd beat them. I, I That was a good win. That was a – by Florida standards, that was a heavyweight fight. Now, Florida's not good enough yet to be in the, the Ali Foreman heavyweight fight. That's, that's when UConn plays Kansas. Florida's not in that, they're not in that category yet. But for where Florida is, maybe on a bubble team if, if that, that was a heavyweight fight for them in a different division, right? And, and, it, and that, was a good, that was a good win for them. I mean, they, they, because they played a team that matches up really well with them. 
and got off the big lead. Uh, the Chris Jans, the Mississippi State coach, came up with a great plan to counter it. He just came up with it too late. That that two one two full court press really bothered Florida. Florida's really not bothered. good against the press. Uh, certainly not that press. Because and so and that really they really, struggled with the different press, the full yeah. court press earlier this season. And so so that really and they've that, struggled with press Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that was a good Can't win. run the ball. That was a good win for them, man. And that was a good win. And you said it, Hayes. Win three in a row. Win at Missouri. Win home against Mississippi State. And win at home against Georgia. And we'll talk about that one later because that was not going to be easy. But I think they'll win that one. That was a that was that was a big for, for where Florida is now. That was a big boy win last night. Seventeen to twenty at the line. That that's to me that was the difference. I mean, this is a team that has really struggled uh, at the stripe, and uh, it helped that Samuel only took one because I think he's been a lot of the problem. I mean, it, cause he's the worst. Teams one. have figured out. I I foul him. He's right. probably going to at least miss one. Hanlon uh, though also hasn't been very good. Hasn't been good, me. and and he made both of his. Uh, but uh, but but Condon down the stretch had the one on one was Mississippi State is is really making the rally, uh, knocks them both down. That was gigantic, and uh, yeah, to finish eighty five percent from the foul line, I I I think it was critical, and uh, and hopefully, you know, sometimes you get more than just a win, and Florida did get a very important win, but now having the confidence and experience of we can make these free throws late, we can make them consistently, we can make them to win games, I think is going to give them a, a ton of confidence and a, and a big boost as a team. And, you know, again, we talk a lot about the net because it's what the committee is going to ultimately uh, view as, as their main metric. And it helped. Florida went from uh, 46 to 43rd. So this, you know, this late in the year, unless you beat like a top 10 team, you know, something like that, you're not going to see dramatic movement. But that's positive uh, for Florida to, to go from 46 to 43rd. Uh, they're now 5-1 and one in quad two games, which is what this was. So again, for Florida, 0-5 in quad one games. The Georgia game, obviously, that's probably going to be like a quad two or three game. Um, so that won't help them. But really, as you as you look at their resume, if they could just get one of those major quad one wins, I, I, I think they would go from being on the outside to the inside. So they're very close. Last night was a big win for them. And yeah, I mean, if they can beat Georgia at home on Saturday and I have every confidence that they will not, and that's not a, a I, I just think, I think that's going to be a tough matchup for Georgia because Georgia doesn't score very well. And, Florida, to their credit, is is really doing a, a great job, even on games where they don't play great defense. For the most part, they score, uh, and certainly at home, I would expect that that they'll be able to do that. Georgia has done well on the road; they're three and one in true road games, so that's outstanding for a club that's you know outside the top seventy-five in net. But I think Florida, I'll I, I would be really disappointed if Florida loses Saturday to Georgia. Although Georgia did beat LSU yeah. at home last night, a uh, close game. I would say seeing Walter Clayton leave with the wrist injury, Frank, I thought, oh, no, this is going to be that injury for the Florida season where he's going to have to miss several weeks and they're just not going to be the same because he's such an important part of the team. So to see him come back and be able to play well with the hand wrapped, that was, I thought, great news. And the fact that Florida withstood that, that late surge by Mississippi State, that was really important. Will Richard, 
Who knew he could have 23 points, nine rebounds, two blocks, and two steals? I certainly didn't see that coming. I thought he was pretty good, especially from three. But his performance last night to lift that team when they really needed it. But was there a point last night where you thought, uh-oh, Florida's going to choke this game away? I thought they'd hold on. Okay. I, got ner- I got nervous. I, I, I did get nervous because when, when, there, there was no answer for the run. I mean, it, was, it went from 17 to 6. Yeah. 17-point lead to a 6-point lead. But I figured they'd – I thought only, they only needed a basket or two or a few free throws. But, yeah, a little nervous. Um, but there they – I'll say this. I, I mean, I think they're going to beat Georgia. I'm not convinced they're going to beat Georgia. I think Florida is pretty good. I think Georgia is pretty good. I, I think when they play up there, I'm not sure they'll beat them. I think they're similar. Um, Florida swept them last year, though. And I think Florida's probably better. Yeah. Here, here's, I mean, the team LSU that they just beat, they're, they're 91st in the net. They're, yeah, just, yeah. they're not as good as they normally are. Yeah, and I, think, and I think Georgia would tell you they got an easy schedule to start the SEC. Yes. So, but I still think they're pretty good. I, I think Georgia's pretty – again, they're not great, but they're, they're – what are they, 14-5 and five and 4-2? and They're 14-5 and 4-2. and two. So the record, records aren't terribly different. Or, or four, I don't know, something like that. But I, no, I think Georgia's pretty – Georgia's not awful like they've been forever. They're not great. They're not. Or just um, fourteen and five, four and two in SEC. Yeah, play. fourteen and five, and they've had a way easier SEC schedule than than Florida had, obviously. So I think Florida's better than Georgia, and so I think Florida will win. But I wouldn't be, it, I wouldn't be the upset of all upsets <laughs> in my mind if they did. Oh, I don't think that, but, but I think Florida will be a seven point yeah. favorite, something but, like that. I eight mean, and one at home, certainly. That's that's well, the that's, one thing that should have told us Florida was going well, to play better than I thought. That's the storyline I'm going to get to. Is is you hit it? You were one step ahead of me. They might be developing. This home, this good luck beating them at home thing. It's been a long time since they've been that. It's been Billy Donovan since they've been that. They now might be the you know, when the when the rowdy reptiles get going and that that place gets loud when the people buy into it. They're eight and one at home, and the one is Kentucky, which the, you led for most of the game. Yeah, so it looks like they might finally be a pretty good home team. That 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 so that's where I'm going with that Hayes. Mm-hmm. I. I, I wouldn't be shocked if they lose to Georgia because because I don't think there's a great difference. I think Florida's better than Georgia, but I don't think there's a great difference between them. I, I what's Georgia's net? You what, what's Florida's net? Georgia's net? They gotta be close or no? Yeah, they're they're not overly close. Florida's forty third and Georgia checks in at seventy eight. Oh, so they're not close. You're right. So they're not. But I but I, I my guess is Florida's better than Georgia. My and will be, but bigger than that for me is. They got Georgia at home tomorrow. Then they can play a couple road games. They got Auburn at home. We'll see. Now they've beaten Auburn at home before there. Yeah. They Omar Payne. They get LSU at home. They get Vanderbilt at home. They get Missouri at home, who's not very good. They get Alabama at home. Here's the thing. You're trying to get the ten wins. You're what are you? You're at three now. You have about five or six home games now. And if you become this good home team, that really helps the cause. Because that doesn't because you might win a couple on the road too. You know, you might win at Vanderbilt. Right, better. You, you you might win. You might win at Georgia or South Carolina. I don't. I don't know. But but if you can become this home team, that's a really good home team. That's what get that from where they sit now. That's what could get them in. I guess that's my point. Yeah. Again, the the committee is going to look favorably at Florida because they tested themselves in non conference. They're obviously playing in what is unquestionably or at worst the second best league in the nation. So. They just the, Florida just has to give the committee a reason to put them in, uh, and and the reason that the committee is going to look what they don't have now that they need to add is the is the quad one win. If they beat Auburn and Alabama at home, that will be enough. As, assuming they don't lose a bunch of games, they have no business losing. 
But uh, but the other three you mentioned are against teams that are I mean, Vanderbilt's terrible. LSU isn't close to what they've been, and Missouri isn't close to what they've been. So I you know, and then if you if you do happen to get one on the road, that's just a bonus and will certainly help their seating. But I I think last night was a big step for Florida and going from being outside of the tournament to working their way into it. If they can beat Georgia on Saturday, because, again, half the nation's going to lose. So if they can win Saturday, then my guess is when you start to see the projections early next week, uh, they will either be in or very, very close to being in. Yeah, I think Todd Golden's done a really good job of knowing when to play guys. Like last night, Frank Denzel Aberdeen played a little bit in the first half, and then he wasn't able to do a whole lot, so he you didn't really see him much in the second half. Micah Hanlogged and Alex Condon. Condon, I think, is, is a great hustle player. That's one thing. As a freshman coming from Australia, didn't know what exactly you were going to expect, but he's been he's been really good as far as what when they need minutes from guys like that. It's a seven-man rotation. They're down to seven. Now, now, Aberdeen will play a little bit. Halk will play a little bit. But it's seven bit. It's seven yeah. guys. And it's even Kugel was only 19 yeah. minutes yeah. last night. Yeah, so it's five starters plus Kugel plus Condon. You know one thing that makes Will Richards so dang good, even though he's not nearly as talented as the rest of them? You ever notice this? That son of a gun's looking for his shot. He, that, I mean, he is looking to let it fly. The great shooters are looking. Kugel has no idea when to shoot. Who, I mean, he gets, he doesn't want to shoot. He doesn't know. He he gets the ball. He hesitates. He, he is he going to drive? Is he going to is he going to drive and be out of control and try and throw some no look pass? Or maybe he's not a bad shooter when he's when, but he never shoots in rhythm. Clayton shoots in rhythm some. Other times he holds the ball and isn't sure. There's a lot of uncertainty. Mediocre shooters. One of the things I love so much about watching UNF play, and I mean since Matthew Driscoll got there. They are looking first open look. They let it fly. They don't. They don't need eight passes. You know, if a guy's got an open look from three, he lets it fly. Well, Richard's that guy. Will Richard is looking to let that three pointer fly the minute he touches. I love guys like that. You know, in in today's basketball, give me a guy that'll let it fly, and he will. So, so a good win. Uh, we'll talk more about the Georgia game uh, on tomorrow's show. Big good win for the Gators. I want to come back. Let's reset the program. Uh, Trent Balky, the general manager of the Jaguars. Uh, spoke today. Well, you'll hear some of his comments. We'll tell you what we thought of that press conference. That's next, so stay with us. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. Here, that means it's time for more football. Football! Football at 5. 5 o'clock somewhere. On the Frangie Show. July 8th, all hanging out. Carlisle will be deep in those Jack and Cokes. How about about halfway through the concert? Carlisle deep in those Jack and Cokes. You see that? With it, with this playing. Turn that up, RJ. Imagine this playing. Carlisle deep. Taylor's nice. What a scene that'll be. I need an Uber. <laughs> Absolutely going to need an Uber. There's no question. Uh, Doobie Brothers are on Old Rock Thursday. They're coming to town. Is, do you dance at concerts? Not unless I'm like, like <laughs> really intoxicated, okay. which I was at this one. 
So yeah. I probably. Yeah. Plus, it's like yeah, sometimes would, uh, there's the members of the members of Journey and Toto would like a word. Yeah. Just, just saying. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's interesting. I tend to get more out of control at concerts where I don't like necessarily love yep. the band. I like yep. the band, don't love the band. Right. Like if it's a band that I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe right. I'm seeing this band. Right. I tend to stay more, I mean, I'll, I'll have like one or two, but right. I don't. You don't want to leave your seat. I kind of want to stay in yeah. the in I the understand. Yeah. The, uh, I go crazy at concerts when I absolutely love them as well. In the 80s, when the Jackson Victory Tour came, there were 70,000 people there or whatever it was. They all did. All of us. That's awesome. I promise you. All right. Um, Dancing's good for you, by the way. Is, is it healthy? Absolutely. Um, we'll get to the Trent Baalke comments in a minute. Uh, we'll kind of re-rack the top of the program where Trent Baalke, uh, the general manager, met. I want you to hear just a few of his comments real quick. Uh, but first, uh, uh, breaking news, the Atlanta Falcons, um, they have set a Guinness World Record by interviewing every living American for the position, and they set it on Raheem Morris. Now, Pete Prisco loves him. He's a very respected defensive, young defensive coach who's getting a second chance. He was a coach of the Bucs uh, for a while. Uh, did a really good job with the Rams as the defensive coordinator. I'm not shocked by this one. I was shocked. I was very surprised by the Dave Canales hire. But I'm a little surprised by this. Are you? I am surprised because I thought it would be Bill Belichick. And obviously, you know, credit to the Atlanta front office. They talked owner Arthur Blank out of that to you know, preserve their jobs, I'm sure, because Raheem Morris isn't going to even think about asking for control over personnel. So um, I'm sure there is a lot of champagne popping at the Falcons facility right now with this hire because uh, Raheem Morris coming in means a lot of jobs in the front office were saved. Yeah, I'm surprised just based off of the fact that I thought it would be Bobby Slowick, the Texans offensive coordinator, that would get this job. And they would figure out a quarterback, and they've got some great offensive weapons, and I thought they'd be really good next year. Not saying that Raheem Morris isn't a good coach and, and all that, yeah. but going with a defensive coach is a little bit uh, different than what I would have expected. But also, Frank, that means Bill Belichick most likely will not be coaching this season because the only place he's interviewed is Atlanta. Yeah, and, I, and, I'll, and I'll say it again. I'm not surprised. I, I'm not. That, that does not surprise me. I said when, before he had even was out, I said I didn't think he'd coach again, and then it looked like I was wrong because – it looked like he was going to pop up. Um, so I'm not surprised. I am not surprised it looks like Pete Carroll won't have a job now. If Mike Vrabel does not get Seattle, which is all that's left, right? If Johnson gets Washington, that's all that's left. Correct. Um, I would. That would really surprise me. If Mike Vrabel's not a head football coach in the National Football League, what does he do? Go be someone's coordinator, sit out. What does I he would do? think that's a sit out a year. I do too. And, I do too. And then around December, start doing all the interviews yeah. about how much you've studied and can't right. wait to get back in. And that's right. That's right. That's you know. right. Yeah. So interesting stuff. All right. So uh, Trent Balky met with the media today. Uh, had a number of comments. Number one, all this talk about the, this rift between the front office and the coach, he says, is not true. Probably even more so. You know. Uh, you know, when you go through tough times, you find out a lot about a lot of people, you know, and the season didn't end the way we wanted it to. Uh, we, we had some strong conversations throughout the year, kind of where things were at and what we were, you know, where things were trending. Uh, so great communication, great collaboration, and really respect uh, him and, and everything that he does. Uh, so I, I don't think there's any... Th a lot of what's written, a lot of the narratives that are out there are just false, plain and simple, false narratives. 
Now, the conversation went on. He talked a lot about very specific things. We'll get to some of those. And, again, you can find that on demand. It's everywhere. The Jaguars.com folks did a great job, as they always do, streaming it. And then we, uh, compliments of Jaguars.com, were able to play it on the radio station as well. But at the end, he was sort of asked one more time, is the collaboration between you and Doug good? Yeah, I think we have a real good pulse. We've had some real good discussions. And going back to Gene's first you know, question on the collaboration and, and the, the unity we have in this building, you know, and I can't speak for Doug, and, uh, but I'm sure he'll speak when, it, when he has a chance to speak. The collaboration, the unity that we have together, uh, the respect we have for one another has never been better. So, again, I go back to that narrative that Gene mentioned. That, that's a false narrative. Nothing to it. Other topics he talked about. Um, he felt like the problem with the football team, among the more prominent ones, it wasn't a physical enough team. I thought that might have been the big storyline. They weren't physical enough in the trenches. They've got to get better at that. And he made a very a clear point that he thought that was a problem. Um, he said they didn't do a good enough job of developing them. He talked about we bring them in, we onboard them. That means obviously indoctrinate them to the NFL and to the Jacksonville Jaguars. He said we did not do a good enough job of developing those players. Uh, he said Josh Allen will be a Jaguar. I don't think there's any doubt about that. He said Calvin Ridley, he would like to keep Calvin Ridley. He wasn't as definitive about that. They certainly said, talked about that. He said he thinks Trevor's in a good place, but he's very concerned that Trevor got hurt so much. He suffered an ankle, a knee, a shoulder, and a concussion, as most of you know. Um, Trent said that's alarming. That's a concern. Uh, his comments were, we have to do a better job of protecting him. Trevor's got to do a better job of defect, uh, defending himself. He was uh, effusive in his love or his appreciation for Ryan Nielsen, the new defensive coordinator. Um, the bottom line, I thought, overview. Um, he said, I got the impression that everyone said, was he critical of the coaches? Well, he clearly made it clear that they together did not do a good enough job of developing what he believed was a decent roster. I thought if he was critical at all, it was more about development than it was deployment. I didn't think he was criticizing play calling and scheme as much as he was. They didn't develop as a, t as a group, all of them together, him included, did not do a good job of developing that roster. Um, he did say schematically things will change. That is specifically what he said. I think he was referring to the defense when he was talking about Ryan Nielsen. What I took from that, and that is just me translating in my mind, not what he said, I think there's a better chance there's a four-man front, and I think Trayvon Walker's hands on the ground. That was kind of my overview from his 30 minutes. Yeah, I think he'd like to see more accountability. He's uh, one of the top leaders in the organization. And, he, you know, he mentioned early on, you know, he, he did say, you know, look at me first and foremost at, at one point. But then any specific question that was a result of bulky inaction or, uh, or just simply a mistake, uh, it was, I don't live in the past. I don't live in regret. Well, you need to t be able to talk about things that you didn't do well. It's it's a sign of a secure person. It's it, it's you need to be able to show leadership and say there were things that I need to self scout on on myself so that I can be better this off season. Obviously, they should have been more aggressive at edge rusher. The fact that he to this, I mean, and he even went he he pulled a Billy Napier on Baloo. Baloo asks him about <laughs> not signing any of the veteran edge rushers, and he says, well, what guys? And to Baloo's credit, he's like, Clowney, Van Noy, Clark, and then Balky, like, cuts him off because he realizes he's been, you know, called out.
But it's like, what do you mean, what guys? What? Na- how can you sit there and say in front of your fan base and the media assembled, what guys? Like that? Like there were no edge rushers out there the entire off season, and and Baloo just conjured a question out of thin air. I mean, it's like, what are you doing, man? And I, it's just, it just reflects poorly on you as a leader. And then obviously he laid it at the at, at the coaching. Uh, you look. He he used the word identity seven times. I know that because my our buddy Mark Long went through the transcript and counted it because it was such a, a point of emphasis for Trent Baalke. The we didn't have an identity. Well, an identity is your offensive line. It doesn't matter what you want to do offensively. Your identity on offense is going to come from the offensive line. If you want to throw it sixty times for four hundred yards, you've got to have a line that can protect. If you want to run it for 250, you've got to have a line that can protect and form that identity. So obviously he put a lot of it on the offensive coaching staff, not developing the offensive line. And uh, and look, I mean, he said his one of his direct lines was, you've got to develop that identity in the offseason and all the way through training camp, the preseason and into the season. You've got to stick with it. I think if you ask the coaches – we probably didn't do that to the level we wanted to. So obviously, you know, that's Trent Baalke putting it on the coaches. He's asked about Luke Fortner, who had, by all accounts, a bad year. He's asked about Luke Fortner. He doubles down on Luke Fortner is capable. He has confidence that he can do it. And then he says, this was not necessarily one player's issues. This was a systematic issue. Well, again... Systematic issue, the translation there is Luke Fortner can play. It's just we had a bad system offensively and and we didn't conduct ourselves offensively the way we should have been. Uh, we didn't form an identity. We didn't stick with whatever the identity was supposed to be. And that's why it failed. So, look, I, I don't think there's going to be necessarily a riff between Trent Baalke and Doug Peterson because – they both need each other. I mean, if it doesn't work, I don't think Doug Peterson's getting a third head coaching job. I don't. I can guarantee you Trent Baalke will never be a general manager once this tenure ends. So, uh, they, you know, if it's going to work, if they're going to stay employed working in this league that they both love, they've got to work together. So I, I don't think that there's going to – I mean, I'm sure Doug Peterson isn't thrilled by what Trent Baalke said today. But I don't think – because I, I think Doug's been pretty good about not blaming anything on the front office uh, publicly. And, uh, and Balky didn't follow suit with that today. So, you know, Doug may have his feelings hurt, but ultimately he knows I've got to work with this guy uh, because if, if, if the last thing you need is uh, to beat each other's throats and you know, nothing good's going to come of that. Uh, so I, I, think, I think overall, I think uh, disappointing. It's disappointing that he hasn't talked – to Josh Allen about a contract extension. I mean, I get that this is a league where deals are done right at the deadline. I understand that. But you'd like to think that this would be a little different uh, after the season Josh Allen gave you to show him that respect and at least begin the conversations. Uh, And again, it would be different if Trent was like, well, we have tried to start the conversations. Josh's camp isn't really ready to do that yet, which we understand. And when they're ready, we will certainly be ready. This was basically like, well, I can guarantee he's going to be a Jaguar, but, I mean, I haven't started any of the conversations with him. Well, why would you not do that? 
I mean, it it just it just to me it doesn't make sense that you would not go ahead and start productive conversations about where this deal is going to go. Look, there's not going to be a lot that has to be ironed out here. I mean, you have to make him one of the top paid edge rushers in the NFL. End of story. It's what he's earned. He's 27. He's getting ready to enter the prime of his career. You're paying for his year 27, 28, and 29. Prime years. And so, I mean, what what is there to really go oh, why, get this done? And 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 it just it's it's disappointing that uh, that he hasn't. That doesn't bother me as much. It's January. I, I think of, of all the things I'm concerned about, I'm not at all concerned that he's going to be on the football team. So I well, I, I know he's going to be on the yeah, football yeah, team. But, that, but, that, but if you tag him, yeah. he's not going to show up until Wednesday of Week One. But I don't think that's happening either. So I just for, of all the things, he, I'm not concerned that on January 25th he hasn't talked to Josh Allen. I, I'd be concerned if it's April 25th and they haven't talked to Josh Allen. I'm, that one doesn't bother me. Of all the things that went that that, that I'm, I'm not concerned about that. I, I, I think Josh Allen played well enough to put himself in a position that he's going to make bank and he wants to live here and he's building a house and he's going to be happy. Of all the things I'm Josh Allen, I'm not worried about. I'm worried about a lot of things on the team. I'm not worried about that. But I do wonder about some of the other things you said. If there is a disconnect, um, and I don't sense there is right now. To your point, I think they've got to be on the same page. But I um, but I but. I wonder about will they build the offensive front? What I was more concerned about his comments about Luke Fortner. Sounds like to me Luke Fortner is going to be their center. Well, certainly. I mean, he talked about needing competition in all rooms, and that you know that's the greatest motivator. You know, kind of using some cliches that you know you hear uh, in in a lot of different NFL camps every season. But uh, but yeah, and and look, he said we've got to get bigger, stronger, more physical. Well, again. These guys are pretty maxed out in terms of what they're going to be physically when they get to this level. There may be some growth. Luke Luke Fortner is a brilliant guy. He has like what two or three degrees. Right. He's pretty much a finished product when it comes to athleticism. I mean, he was in Kentu- at Kentucky for a long time. He's older than Trevor. I was going to say he's so, older than Trevor. Yeah. I mean, this is not somebody who's you know Anton Harrison. I would buy in has some athletic upside that he still can hit because he's such a young guy. Do they keep Cam Robinson? What I, do you think? I would. I mean, I would you, guess yes. Okay. Uh, but it's fifty-five percent, and I would base that not really on anything Balky said today. He was asked about Cam Robinson directly and said, "I'm not going to get into who's going to be here and who isn't." He did say Anton Harrison, in his opinion, can absolutely play left tackle. You think Cam's on the team next year? No. I think they're going to cut Cam. And I'd like him to be on the team. That's one, I, that's one I would disagree with. Well, the reason that that's I'm not I, sure they will is Balky in the past yeah. has really raved about Cam Robinson right, right. to the point where I was surprised at how highly he spoke of him. I was, so that's why I wonder if they'll actually part yeah, with him. I'd like to see him on the team. I think they're going to cut Cam. I think they're going to cut Cam Robinson, move Anton to left, and walk a little to right. Yeah, that's what I think is going to happen. I don't know that that's a better offensive line than this past season uh-huh. as far as tackles are concerned. I think Cam Robinson's a really good left tackle, and Anton's a great right tackle. It surprised me that Balky was so effusive in his praise for Calvin Ridley after we watched him obviously have a lot of issues this season. I thought he'd say, and he said he'll get a lot better, but at no point did he acknowledge the fact that at times he didn't know the offense. Yeah, he correct. What he did say is he talked about what a worker he is, which is interesting stuff. I'll take a break. More in a moment on 1010-92.5 FM. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings.
It's an old rock Thursday. Music the way it should be, or at least used to be, on The Frangie Show. I only included one Michael McDonald song. I'm shaking my head over here. But it was the song of the year, whatever year it was. Yeah, yeah. Hey, do you like Michael McDonald? He did the Running Scared theme, which yeah. I love. Billy Crystal and Gregory yeah. Hines, one of the underrated 80s buddy comedies of all time. Really times. funny. Movie. So I like him because of that. Okay. I think that song was called Shine Sweet Freedom. Something like that. Yeah, it's good. It's my only Michael McDonald entry into Denny's Doobie Brothers. It's, it's totally fun. I'm just teasing. There is a friend of mine that they have Jaguar season tickets, and they swear there's a police officer that directs traffic for Jags games. Yeah. That looks exactly like exactly Michael McDonald. I know exactly the guy. <laughs> I, I, I promise you, I know. You tell he your wants friends. Him to sing every you time. You tell your friends. I know. I, I'm not making this up. I know exactly the guy. Okay. I, All right. Yeah, I'll tell him. I even think I know his first name. I'm not going to tell you. But it's Michael. It's, I'm it, just it, kidding. No, I think it's so, but I know exactly. That's, the guy. Isn't that funny? Yeah, I know. I'm telling you, I know exactly the guy. I think it is Michael McDonald. I think he, <laughs> he left needs to karaoke. Yeah. So I think there's that. as Michael McDonald, that would be glorious. Doobie Brothers on Old Rock Thursday today, as we have found out yesterday that. Uh, they are coming to town in July. I'm very excited about that. I love that I've seen them in numbers. I say number two times. I've seen them twice. I look forward to seeing them again. I've been to their winery in California. So there's that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like you like the orange and blue game back on a Saturday. You're very happy. The orange. And blue I do. Game I can tell you, Steve Carlion is yeah. ecstatic that it's Saturday well, then, you know at what? one o'clock. Let me just be clear. I really don't care what you think. Yeah. But I do care what Steve Carlion thinks. That's why so, I so, so I'm glad threw you, that out there first. <laughs> I'm glad you did. That was my my ace in the hole. <laughs> yes, it um, was. But uh, I I you know. F- for us, I don't think it – it was fun to go down there, you know, and do the show, I, I which now you. we can't do. Uh, and so, I I, you. you know, f- for me personally, it never really bothered me, but I get it. My dad actually wanted to go like two years ago, and when he found out it was Thursday night, he was like, I'm not going to go. And then when I, he was still excited about when Billy When he was Nate. still excited about <laughs> Billy Nate. He still likes Nate. He's like – he is – I'm not, I'm like not 100% sure this, okay. that my dad – isn't yeah. somehow yeah. related to Billy right, Napier right, because right, of how much he right, right. he supports him yeah. every step of the yeah, way. Let me just say but, this, by the way. I know both of Hayes' parents well. They're two of the nicest people of all time. Where the angry gene came is it's, an, it's yeah. Uncle Ned. You know, it's <laughs> right. Uncle Ned who lives in Melbourne. That's where the angry gene came yeah. from. Yeah, um, and so – I you know for me it's I always understood it. Look, it's it's for recruiting. He wants to get all the recruits in, and, the and so they yeah. can. But uh, but it's better. It's much better it for is. the fans when it's Saturday at one. It's much more I of agree. a of a. Of you can a, make a spring thing out of yeah, it. Yeah, you I, go down I, for the day, day. day. and it's a nice day out, and you can you know to your point, Lauren, when we're talking in the break, you can go to maybe another sporting event. You said baseball. Base, Florida plays host to South Carolina at four p.m. on Saturday. So I mean that all is is great synergy for the other programs. So uh, I I do like it better, and uh, you know again I will have to find out why exactly he decided to do it this way, but. But yeah, I, I think for the fans, it's better to have it Saturday at one o'clock. It is, it is. I mean, it, I I'm like you. It was fun because we did our show there both Thursdays, and Todd Golden came by, and Scott Strickland came by, and we had some great guests, and it was a lot of fun. Chris Doring would always come by, but it's better on a Saturday. It's a festival. It's a spring festival day. I can remember in the, back in the day. Now baseball is a beautiful stadium, but it's not close by. Back in the day, you'd park one time. You'd park one time. You'd walk to the spring game. You'd leave. You'd walk across the street to the baseball game, and then you get in your car afterwards. So, uh, but but no, you're right about that. I think it's better. 
uh, that is a sort of, I love spring football. I, I, I love I, I used to spring spring games used to be a big big deal. Oh yeah, I mean they were a big. I big, tell you, they're going to have a good. They're going to have a good crowd. For the fans may not be overly excited about Billy Napier, but they're over the moon for what DJ Lagway could be, and this is going to be their first time Did to you see go him. Go back and watch that that uh-huh. tape I told you to watch. I don't think so because I could, I didn't I I kind of forgot send, about it. But you. I've seen a bunch. I mean I know I know I'd like to see the video that that you saw. But um, but I've seen a, a, a certainly a lot of Lagway, and uh, and it's impressive. It's really impressive film, as you would expect from yeah. the National Player of the Year. But I, I think it's going to be, a, assuming Lagway plays. Now, if he pulls a hamstring in the second week of spring, and Napier says he's not going to be able to play, then right. that's one thing. But if DJ Lagway is going to be taking the field for the Gators on the Orange and Blue game, oh, I think they're going to have a magnificent crowd, I, considering the lack of success. That he's had as a yeah. coach, uh, I gotta tell you, um, you all know by now that, that Graham Mertz is represented by Frangie PR Inc. <laughs> and so I'm the biggest Graham Mertz fan like in the world. But I gotta tell you, and I want him to play and be good and and have a fun eighth year, whatever it is in college for him. But I'm, I'm hoping that they split time like almost evenly. That's what I'm hoping. And that's really an intelligent hope, being that I have no idea how good Lagway will be in college. It's just I'm being fanboy here, you know. But well, I mean, the I, easiest I mean, I, way for Florida to get back is for DJ Lagway to be a star. Well, that's right. That's right. I mean, if he's a star, then you'll probably be better right. than what you think you'll be this year, right. and then you might be magnificent I mean, in year two and three. I mean, it would not bother me. And again, I, this is coming from Graham Mertz Incorporated. Yeah. But it would not. <laughs> but it would not bother me if Graham starts the first handful of games, and if it's Kelly Bryant. It would not bother right. me if it, it would not bother me if it's Kelly Bryant, who's a good team guy and hangs in there. But game three, game four, Trevor Lawrence is there. Yeah, you know, I mean, I mean, Kelly Bryant was a Kelly. Kelly Bryant wasn't a great player. Went to Missouri, was just okay. But you knew when Trevor Lawrence signed, it was just going to be a right. It was just it was going to be a minute. It was a, a matter of weeks, mm-hmm. right? And I and I, I'm hoping that's the way. The it game is. is presented by Florida Victorious, the collective. So I wonder if they're the ones that kind of pushed for the Saturday game. Could be. Could be. Uh, maybe that's why Napier switched it up. But I will say what, what what Hayes said is right. Thursday was a good idea. It was fun. It was fun doing our show. It was great for recruiting. But sat, spring football is a, is a festival, is a spring festival day. It really is. So, all right, we'll take a break. Uh, Lauren's going to wrap the program news and notes right after this. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. What's going on in the world? It's time for Frangie Show news and notes. Here's Lauren Brooks. Listening to the music. Ah, well, well played. I used to think that line was some people are happy because others are sad. And I was like, well, that's terrible. <laughs> but it's not. Some this, people are happy, but some are sad. This is the anthem. Did they, you probably don't know this because you were so many seats in, but did they end with this? I'll have to look it up. Uh, so uh, you can find their set list. Yeah, I think they they used to they used to say thank you, just like the Eagles used to do, take it easy, thank you, thank you. And then they would say, thank you for being with us all these years. 
one last time this is for you and they play listen to music and they go that, that used to be there the way they would sign off our intrepid reporter will find out uh, nfl.com came up with one unsung hero for each nfl team this past season would you care to take a guess as to who the jaguars unsung hero unsung hero is i like it an unsung hero Again, according to nfl.com kevin patra it was the final song Okay, yeah, right. that's how they extended it. Good. And I like it. Were you waving song. goodbye as well, Ace? He has no idea. <laughs> yeah, in our respect that you don't. Yeah. Uh, unsung hero, uh, oh boy, so, uh, Darius Williams. All right, Hayes. I'm sorry, what was the question? One unsung hero from the Jaguars team this past season. Someone Who, who someone, did the list? Kevin Patra from NFL.com. Anton Harrison. The answer is Foye Luikan oh. okay. that they came up with. They I said thought the Jags, about him, but he wasn't all that unsung to me. But. The Jags cratered down the stretch, but Foye remained a stud. The linebacker led Jacksonville with 173 total tackles, and he paced the entire NFL with 111 solo tackles. He also, of course, had two and a half sacks. Those were fun back when the times were good around here. Uh, let's get it to NFL coaching carousel. The If you missed it earlier, the Panthers hired former Bucks offensive coordinator Dave Canales. And Raheem Morris was named the Falcons head coach. He was the interim coach of the Falcons back in 2020. He's now the head coach of the Falcons. That leaves two jobs left, the Commanders and the Seahawks. And doesn't seem like Bill Belichick is going to get either one of them. Who would you guess gets those two? Uh, you know, I, I think Ben Johnson's going to Washington. I think that's going to happen. I think that there's enough smoke around that. Seattle, I don't know. I'll save Vrabel. Hayes only because I can't imagine that he's not going to be a coach next year. That's what I think. I, th- I think you're, you're spot on. I think it's Ben Johnson in Washington and Mike Vrabel in Seattle. It's going to be interesting because it seems like each job we've been like, oh, well, this is about to happen. And Slowick to the Titans we thought was going to happen. And certainly Belichick with the Falcons is going to happen. And so I honestly won't be surprised if these two jobs yeah. get – you're right. Filled by people that we never saw. Coming. Well, and, and again, Matthews look, and, you, yeah. you hope we talk about this with the Gators. You hope you don't have this happen. You hope the Jaguars have a magnificent year and uh, and everything is is fantastic. But if they make a change, you have to kind of peek a little ahead to the 25 carousel. I And I think Belichick's out. He'd be 73 by the time you get to opening day in 25. So this is it for Bill Belichick. I don't think he's good. If he didn't get a job in mm-hmm. this cycle – I, I've seen people say, well, he'll sit out and maybe get back in. No, he's, I think he's done. Uh, so I don't think he'll be in play. But, uh, but in terms of guys that could be, well, Slowick would obviously be in play. Aaron Glenn, the Lions defensive coordinator, uh, is, is a very hot name. Todd Munkin, uh, it looks like he's going to stay with the Ravens. That's good news for Lamar Jackson. Uh, Mike McDonald, another Ravens uh, coordinator, the defensive coordinator, uh, and uh, I wouldn't particularly love him here, but uh, Dan Quinn is somebody that obviously every year mm-hmm. gets a lot of notoriety. Now Dallas had an awful playoff loss, and that seemed to take some of the wind out of out of his momentum. But Dan Quinn could be somebody uh, next year as you start to peak to that. And there'll be other guys that pop up, people that have you know extraordinary seasons and and things like that. Uh, but I would think that uh, this means we've definitely seen the last of Bill Belichick and to uh, you know Pete Carroll. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's uh, it's 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 hard to believe. As far as here goes, I would be very surprised if Doug Peterson isn't the coach five seven years. I'd be shocked. I'd be and I may be wrong, but I, I mean everyone's trying to have that long term coach now. Everybody wants the Tomlin, the Andy Reid, the, the John Harbaugh. They're hard to find. The Pete Carrolls, uh, the Belichicks are hard to. But I, 
everyone's trying harder. People are tired of the carousel, so they're trying harder and harder to find that guy. I would be I would be very surprised if Doug Peterson's not the coach here for a for a very long time. I don't know if it's gonna be fifteen years like those guys, sure. but I'd, I'd be very very surprised if we if I'd be very surprised if there's a coaching search here. What am I sixty five? I don't know how much longer I'll do this, but I would be a little bit surprised if there's another coaching search while I'm doing this show. That would surprise me. Yeah, I certainly hope so, because coaching searches mean things have not gone well. Right. Hayes, you mentioned the two Ravens coordinators. They did say, I think it was Schefter or Rappaport, one of them said that the two open jobs, they're not expected to find or to announce hires until next week. So that means that they could wait until after this weekend's games are over. So maybe the Ravens don't end up with both coordinators back, like you mentioned, Munkin and McDonald. Yeah, and I mean, again, that would mean that perhaps, you know, well, it would mathematically say that either Ben Johnson is available in 25 Mm -hmm. or Vrabel is. Mm -hmm. I mean, if Vrabel doesn't get a job, he's clearly number one on the board for the 25 cycle. And again, we see it every year. I mean, six to eight of these jobs are going to turn over. It, we see it every single year. Uh, and so, you know, again, I, I, I think it's, it's hard to be safe in this league. Absolutely. Frank, how many people choose to move from Miami to Philadelphia? Well, not many. <laughs> well, Vic Fangio yeah. parted ways yeah, with the Dolphins so. earlier this week. He has already been hired. He is now the Eagles defensive coordinator. Well, that thing went that thing went fast in Miami, didn't it? Well, what's the what's the inside of what happened? I, I'm I'm going to ask around. I, that one surprised me. I was surprised too by it. I you know I, it's it's. I mean, they were pretty good defensively. Question. They yeah, were pretty, they were pretty good on defense. Right. They had the injuries late. I right. I they don't know. I I would imagine it was more Fangio and McDaniel just didn't and it could maybe have been, gel it could, as much as they. It could have been they, that. It could they could have worked together and said, "Listen, this isn't right. This isn't us." And Fangio yeah. and Fangio could have said to your point the other day when you said he wanted out. Fangio could have said, "Listen, Mike, if this I got five jobs. I got five teams that are hire me as their coordinator. Right. I, I could have five jobs tomorrow. If you don't want me here, I'll go somewhere else. Right. I mean, I'm guessing, but it could yeah. have been that. And obviously he did because right. he got the Eagles job immediately. Congrats to Nick Dunlap. He just won the American Express. Well, now he is going pro, so any more earnings that he wins, he can keep. He is the fourth amateur to win on tour since 1950 and the second youngest champion in the past 90 years. Jordan Spieth won the 2013 John Deere Classic when he was 19. I'll be interested to see if Nick Dunlap just had a, an amazing four days, or if he's a factor on the tour in time, I'll be I'll, I'll be interested to see how that goes. I really will. It'll be a fun story to follow. Uh, maybe Alabama. I mean, obviously, he's a very good player, yeah. but I mean, is he is he a guy that can compete with the really good players on tour? I'll be, I'll be surprised if he doesn't win the Players Championship <laughs> this year. <laughs> this year, I don't. First timers never won. Is that one of the storylines that we always have? I think that's well. No, Perks was first time, wasn't he? I don't know. I think it's that they've never had a repeat champion. Okay. Is the Well, that is true. Yeah. Okay. Perks won it in his debut. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So there you go. Uh good luck to UNF tonight at Bellarmine. Tip off at six thirty, so just under an hour from now. And also good luck to JU at Eastern Kentucky tonight. That one tips off a little over from an hour over an hour from now, seven PM. So again, UNF at Bellarmine, JU at Eastern Kentucky. You can watch those games. On ESPN Plus. All right, time now for today's takeaways. Now, today's takeaways brought to you by Key Buick GMC, where our family dealership has been helping families buy vehicles for over 50 years. I'm trying to see if Craig Perks actually won the players in his <laughs> debut, but it, so I apologize <laughs> if I've given you wrong information, but I'm pretty sure it was his debut. 
when he shockingly won. I'm in, just happy you gave me this. Doobie Brothers and listen to music. <laughs> yeah. uh, my takeaway is I think if you were worried about the uh, Jaguars' direction going into today, nothing probably alleviated that. Not that a press conference really would. Uh, but uh, I don't. I don't get the sense Trent Baalke and Doug Peterson have any sort of riff. I. I do think Trent Baalke clearly thinks the coaching staff didn't do a good job. And now whether, you know, he, he they're able to to move past that and, and how Doug will react to the comments made today, I don't know, because the entire offensive staff is back. And, uh, and Trent was, I thought, pretty critical of uh, the lack of an identity, the, the lack of a, a stick-to-itiveness, the lack of development. Uh, but at the end of the day, I mean, I, I think they have to be in lockstep because – Again, if this dissolves and Shad Khan cleans house, this will be the last general manager job Trent Baalke has. And even for Doug Peterson with a Super Bowl on his resume, I don't know that you get a third crack at being a head coach if you've been fired from two spots. So I, my guess is, you know, they'll work together. Hopefully it'll be harmonious and hopefully they'll get it turned around. I mean, again, they won nine games averaging 3.6 yards a carry and allowing 4.2 yards a carry. If they can fix the trenches, there is something here. Uh, by the way, Craig Parks did win in 2002 playing for the first time ever in the players. Ah, okay. So you are correct. Do you know who he beat by two shots? Either of you? I don't, I don't remember. Stephen Ames? Yes! Ding, wow. ding, ding for Thank Hayes Carline. Well, Ames went on to win it a few years later in, in route fashion. He won the players by like seven or eight. It's probably the most boring players I've ever covered because Stephen Ames was a, had the charisma of a wet towel <laughs> and, and won the event by like nine shots, I want to say. That was the only PGA Tour win ever for Craig Perks. That's yeah. the other interesting uh, fact. Uh, my takeaway, uh, we talked about it throughout the show as far as Trent Baalke's media availability uh, today with reporters. And I would say the biggest takeaway for me, Josh Allen will be a Jaguar. How that plays out, franchise tag, long-term deal. I certainly hope it's the latter, and uh, we will find out, I would say, in the coming weeks. Let's say hello to Rick Ballou. Now, the two-minute drill, brought to you by Tire Outlet. Tire Outlet is now hiring. Visit tireoutlet.com slash careers, equal opportunity employer. Here's my prediction for Ballou today. Went to the presser. I saw he played golf with Derek Trucks. I'm guessing he was on his way to a 42, three-putt six, pissed him off, pulled that left drive into the bunker and was never the same. That's my prediction. I was really distracted. It was a private course and no one was around. Right. So I didn't know what to do. <laughs> I mean, I had full autonomy to swear, throw clubs, do whatever it was, and I, and, and I didn't know how to handle it. So oh, okay. uh, yeah. it was a fun day. Yeah, uh, Derek and his brother, uh, David. Yeah. Uh, and while I'm name-dropping, yes. you uh, had the – the He's Doobie Brothers today. Yes. Mark Quinones, all right? Mark Quinones, excuse me. Um, one of the best percussionists in the world. He's been with the Doobie Brothers since 2018. I met him last summer really? with Derek. This guy has the greatest life ever. Okay. Well, this first of all, he's playing with the Doobie Brothers, right. so whatever else you're going to add to this is, is gravy, but go ahead. Well, they, you know, they had a big residency in Vegas, okay. Okay, I think they were there for like three months, whatever. But they traveled the country, and typically these rock stars will play you know, maybe three nights, four nights a week. Right. On nights that he doesn't play, he's practically a scratch golfer. He really? plays every top notch. Life. He came in here, he went immediately to Sawgrass. How about that? And he, Derek went out and joined him, and you know asked me to play, but obviously I had to go to work. But just imagine traveling with the Doobies, playing the percussion, making really good money, 
And then, oh, yeah, I can get you tickets to the Doobie Brothers. Can I get on your golf course? How about Absolutely. that? Absolutely. How about that? That's what this man does. You're playing Listen to the Music in Blackwater by night, and you're playing Pablo and Pebble by day. Yeah, it's. Um, I would say that's pretty good. I would say it's pretty, you're, you're right. It's some people life. have great lives. That's uh, We're all blessed here, but, I mean, that is, uh, that is pretty sensational. What was your take from the uh, presser? Yeah, I, I, I thought it, it was better than I expected. Um, I think I learned a lot. I'm going to be very thorough on it coming up here in just a couple of minutes. But uh, he's got a way about him that is viable if you're Shad Khan. He, it seems to me like he is able to take any sort, uh, any type of question and give you an answer. Maybe not an answer that you're looking for, but he he's creative enough to where it's not on him. It's on someone else, and that's what I got out of this today. So, you know, I'm really going to talk about that in great detail yeah. here coming up over the next couple of hours. But I, I thought it was good for him. It was some of these press conferences, you don't ever know what to expect. I thought this was better than I thought going in. All right, Blue's comments coming up as he goes into the night. It comes up right now. That'll do it for our program. Last show of the week is tomorrow. Same bat time, same bat channel from here in studio. For Hayes, Lauren, and RJ, I'm Frank Francis. Don't go anywhere. Rick Blue is next. This is 1010XL and 92.5. Thank you.